Christians, and uh, there are the, the, the children here, which I think is, is really exciting. Um, oh, thank you. Yes. Oh. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> um, uh, really excited that the kids are in here. Uh, the gospel is for you. Um, you are a part of this church just like your parents are, so we are so excited to have you um, here in our service with us. Um, today, today we're going to finish the book of Galatians. We've been going through the last few weeks uh, studying that there, is, that there is no other gospel. There is no other good news for sinners. There's no other place for salvation the freedom and joy that comes from God alone through Christ alone. And this morning, we're going to look back on the truths that we have learned these past few weeks uh, with the goal of causing us to, to boast in God, to exult, to glorify God. And so with that in mind, would you please stand as we read Galatians chapter 6? We're going to pick it up in verse 11. Every week we, we stand at the reading of God's word out of reverence and awe for God. We believe that these are the holy words of God, and so we treat them with respect and reverence and awe. And so I'm going to be reading Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Let's pray. God, we, we praise you. We praise you for who you are for your cross. Um, Lord, as we look into your word this morning, as we learn from your word this morning, would you give us uh, good soil in our hearts that the word may come in and take root and give fruit in our lives? Lord, would we be transformed by the preaching of your word this morning, that we would go out and glorify our God who is in heaven? Father, be with us as, as, as we hear. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And uh, Lord, will you expose our sin? Would you expose the ways that we have acted ignorantly in unbelief, Lord? And would we throw all of ourselves onto the cross for salvation? That we would say glory to God alone and that salvation belongs to the Lord. And Lord, would you be with us this morning? Give, give me the words to speak that you want me to speak. And Lord, would it be receptive to all those who are here? God, you are good and we praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Fourteen years ago, in 2009... A little girl named Jessica, at the start of her day, 
climbs up onto the bathroom counter, and she looks at herself in the mirror, and she begins reciting to herself encouragement that she needs for that day. In a video that has become known as Jessica's Daily Affirmations, it now has over 23 million views on YouTube. Jessica, who was uh, about four at the time, she reminded herself of these truths as she stared into the mirror at the beginning of her day. My whole house is great. I can do anything good. I like my school. I like my anything. I like my dad. I like my cousins. I like my aunts. I like my Allisons. I like my mom. I like my sister. I like my hair. I like my haircuts. I like my pajamas. I like my stuff. I like my room. I like my whole house. My whole house is great. I can do anything good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do anything good better than anyone. <laughs> we, have a, we have a propensity as humans, like little Jessica, to center our lives around what we are good at. What we bring to the table, we say, like Jessica, I can do anything good better than anyone. We tend to boast in ourselves, to share with the world that which makes us special, makes us worthwhile, makes other people think highly of us. And this morning, we're going to address three things, three things through Galatians 6. We're going to look at what are the, what are the motivations for boasting? What is driving us to do this? What does it look like to boast in the flesh? And then finally, we'll look at what does it look like to boast in Christ? So the motivations and the boasting in the flesh and boasting in Christ. And before we get into that, uh, I wanted to stop and say and, 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 and address what is boasting? What is boasting? Paul talks about boasting a lot, not just in Galatians, but also in Corinthians. He devotes two chapters in 1 Corinthians, 10, oh, I'm sorry, three chapters, 10, 11, and 12, all about boasting. So what is boasting? We tend to think of, we tend to think of boasting as bragging. Look at, look at how great I am. I am the best ever. I am the goat. We see this, with a, especially with a lot of professional sports athletes. I remember years ago, uh, Richard Sherman, when he was on the Seahawks, famously bragged in a post-game interview, I'm, I'm the best corner in the game. But, but boasting is more than bragging. It's more than bragging. It's not just that you deserve to be respected or accepted or, or approved of, but it's why you should be accepted or approved, why you should be thought as the best ever. See, boasting actually has its origins as a military term. Boasting is your proof for why you should win the battle. Generals would boast. They would boast to their own armies to get them pumped up before the battle. You can imagine uh, armies all standing next to each other, and their, their, their generals would say, our shields are thicker than theirs. Our spears are more pointy, are more deadly. <laughs> our, men, our men have more courage. 
The enemies are cowards. They're terrified. Our chariots are more numerous. Our horses are swifter. Even consider the, the, the modern U.S. military commercials. Our technology is more advanced. Our weapons are more precise. Our fighting force is more dedicated, more committed, better. Or maybe in another way we see this um, is in the movie Avengers. When Loki and Iron Man, they get in a boasting batch, Bo- a boasting match, rather, a boasting match, um, when Iron Man says, look, we're, we're going to win. We have Thor. We've got Captain America. We've got Hawkeye and all of them. And Loki responds, well, I have an army. To which Iron Man retorts, we have a Hulk. There is no way you're going to win. Boasting. See, boasting is what you put your trust in to win the battle. You boast in what you trust in. And so Paul, here in Galatians 6, takes this military term and he applies it to salvation. He applies it to the gospel. So soldiers boast in swords or chariots or courage. But what do we boast in? What do we trust in in order to save us? What hope do we have as we stand before God. And here in chapter 6, Paul finally reveals the motivations for the Judaizers. Uh, the Judaizers have been uh, this, the, this group of people that Paul has been addressing the entire book of Galatians. Paul came and, and he shared the gospel with the Galatian church. He said that salvation is in no one else but Christ alone, and that if you would believe, you would be, uh, 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 if you believed in him and if you would trust in him, you would be saved from your sins. And salvation is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. That's what Paul came in initially to the, to the Galatians. But then these Judaizers came in, and after Paul had left, and they said, yes, yes, salvation is in Jesus. Yes, salvation is in Jesus, but you still have to uphold the Old Testament law. Specifically, a marker of whether or not you were a Christian is if you were circumcised and you kept the Old Testament law. To the Judaizers, Christ is is needed for salvation, but Christ is not sufficient for all of salvation. More needs to be done. And they led the Galatians astray. And so Paul said that they have believed a different gospel, a gospel that cannot save. And so here, finally in in chapter 6, he tells us why the Judaizers did this. Why did the Judaizers come in? He says in verse 12, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. See, the Judaizers wanted to make a good showing. They did not want to be persecuted. Throughout the book of Acts, when Paul or the other apostles preached Christ, they were ridiculed. Paul was stoned. He was whipped. Mobs angrily ran him out of town and left him for dead. In Acts 7, the Jews stoned Stephen for his preaching of the gospel. And so the Judaizers, 
The Judaizers did not want to be persecuted. They were afraid that they were going to be attacked by the Jews if they were to say that salvation is in the cross alone. And so they said, well, we, we, can't, we can't do away from the law. The Jews like the law. We can't do away with the law. So clearly we have to follow the law in order to satisfy those who don't believe in Jesus. See, the Judaizers preached a false gospel because they were afraid of other humans. They distorted the true gospel because they sought approval from man. They wanted the admiration, they wanted the admiration, not the disdain from others. And so in requiring circumcision of the Galatian Christians, they were not seeking to honor God, but they were seeking to protect themselves. Are you, are you in danger of trusting and believing a false gospel so that it may be more palpable to non-believers? Are you afraid of being persecuted for your faith that you would rely on something other than Christ to save you? Do you want people to like you unless you hide or distort your beliefs from your coworkers or from, from your family? Are you unwilling to speak the truths of Scripture in a particular situation because you want people to like you. See, I don't think the Judaizers are all that different from us because this isn't just the motivations of the Judaizers in that they wanted to require circumcisions. These verses reveal to us the heart and foundation of all of our boasting. We want to be approved of. We want to be liked. We want to be accepted. See, verse 13, uh, it says that they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. And, and so what's going on here, follow me with this, is you have three groups of people. You have the non-Christian Jews, you have these Judaizers, and then you have the Galatian Christians. Jews, Judaizers, Galatian Christians. And what Paul is saying here is that um, the Judaizers, they don't want to be persecuted. They don't, they, they, they want to be accepted. They want to be accepted by the Jews. They don't want the Jews to attack them for their belief in Christ. So what they do is they teach the Galatian Christians that they need, they need to be circumcised and that they need to uphold the law. They wanted, the Judaizers wanted to be right and good with the non-Christian Jews. And so they taught the false gospel to the Galatian Christians that they needed to be circumcised in order to be saved. So then, after the Galatian Christians were circumcised, the Judaizers could boast. Look at how amazing we are. They'd probably be boasting to the non-Christian Jews. Look how amazing Christianity is. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is great. Look, these, these Christians, they've kept the law. They've been circumcised. They're upholding the law. The Judaizers attempted to remove the offense of the cross of Christ by adding requirements of the law. They sought the approval of man more than the truth of the gospel. Namely, that salvation is by faith alone. See, at the, at the, at the heart of boasting, at the core of boasting is because we want approval. 
Just like the soldiers earlier, we want people to know and see all the good things that we do. And we want them to see all the good things about us because we want them to like us. And so we boast in the good things about us and the good things we do. And and we do this because we want other people to approve of who we are. We boast because we want people to like us. This is what boasting, what Paul calls boasting in the flesh, in things we do. We boast in things like, I'm a hard worker. My marriage is solid. I don't do drugs. I don't get angry with people. I do good deeds to those around me. I give money to the less fortunate. I've raised a good family. My kids love Jesus. I vote this way or I vote that way. I haven't had an affair. I have a solid bank account. I get good grades. I don't hang out with those kids. I only fight with my siblings sometimes. I am not like those people I see on the street. I I do good things. I compiled the Operation Christmas Child box this year. I bring food to the potluck, and I bring good food to the potluck. I abide by the rules. My clothes are nice. My vehicle isn't breaking down. I smell nice. I don't let my kids play video games. I don't let my kids eat this food or or that food. I don't, I don't, I don't watch those movies. I come to church. I'm a good person. Now, now we don't say these things out loud, but if a person were come and ask you, why, why should I like you? What about you is worthy of my respect? What is commendable about you? Why are you the way that you are? What would you respond with? We boast in what we trust in. We boast in what will make us successful, what will make people love us. We boast in what we did to get that award or that recommendation. We boast in what we put on our resume. Look at how good I am. I did all these things like me, approve of me, love me. Boasting in what we do is boasting in the flesh. In Timberline, there is no amount of accolades or recommendations the world can give you that can satisfy your heart for approval. Even if everyone in the world were to approve of you, if you were at the center of a giant stadium and everyone in the world was in the stands cheering you on, it would not heal your heart. And maybe it's not that you want everyone to like you. Uh, Maybe it's just that one person you want to like you and approve of you of something you did. Uh, Maybe it's uh, your dad or a sibling or a boss or a coworker. Even if they did approve of you, it would not heal your heart. The Judaizers trusted in their own works, their own doing for why they should be approved of. However, Paul takes a different approach. Let's look at verse 14. But far be it from me 
to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, Paul boasts in the cross of Christ. You boast in what you trust in. We boast in that which is deep down at our core, what we truly trust to be made right before God. You boast in what you believe saves you. Think about it. Why are you a Christian? Why have you put your faith in Christ? Is it because you are smart and it just made sense? Is it because that's just the way that you were raised? Is it because you're a good person and that's what good people do? They, they, they go to church? Do you boast in your own ability to keep the rules or do you boast in Christ? Do you boast in your own merit or your own intelligence or do you boast in Christ? A simple question may help you determine what you're boasting in. What is the most well-known thing about you? What is the most well-known thing about you? What is the thing that you most often share with the new people that you meet? Do you trust in something that comes from you, that has earned your salvation, or do you trust in the cross alone for salvation? This is the whole message of Galatians. This is the whole message of the gospel, that salvation comes through Christ alone. And so what I wanted to do this morning with the remainder of our time is go back. I wanted to walk through the seven sermons. So yes, I have seven points, more than the three that, uh, that is usual, but seven points, you'll be okay. And I wanted to walk through the seven sermons that we've talked about uh, as we've gone through Galatians, this no other gospel. And I wanted to show us and show how we boast in God through these sermons and through these texts, that we would boast in the glory of God in Jesus Christ and not boast in ourselves. And so first, we looked at the gospel glorifies God. The gospel glorifies God. Chapter, chapter 1. Paul begins this letter by proclaiming the gospel. In verse uh, 3, 4, and 5, he, he, he proclaims the gospel that Jesus Christ was sent, that he gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God, to whom it be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, the gospel, God saving us from our sins and all the benefits that come from it is meant to show the supreme worthiness Beauty, perfection, grace, and mercy of God, the manifold wisdom of God. The gospel is meant to glorify and make much of God. We believe from passages like this one in Galatians 1, what the Reformation called sola deo gloria, glory to God alone. God alone deserves all of our praise and all of our honor and all of our worship. See, when we boast in ourselves... We trust that there is something that we did to save us, something special about us that we are deserving to be saved. In our boasting of ourselves, we dishonor God. We belittle God and we try and lift us up. Boasting in us says that we should be more admired than the God of the universe. 
If there is something in us that is worthy of salvation, then there's something that we can claim of why God loved us. But no, we were, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were saved solely through the grace of God as a gift so that no one may boast. Jonah 2.9, salvation belongs to the Lord. Do you praise God in your boasting or do you praise yourself? Our second sermon was the, the gospel saves. The gospel saves. Look at verse 15 in chapter 1. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach to him, uh, preach him among the Gentiles. The gospel boasts in God because it is God who saves. He set us apart for salvation before we were even born. Does this not demolish any foundation of all of the boasting in ourselves? How can we claim to earn our salvation in any way when God set us apart before we were born? Before we had any ability to do anything at all, God set us apart by His grace. And it was God who was pleased to reveal His Son to us. In grace and mercy, it was not anything that we did. We believed in the gospel because God opened our eyes and revealed the Son. We were, we were hell-bound sinners, and God intervened for us and showed us His Son. We were, we were in the gutter. We were in the gutter along with all of humanity, along with everyone else, but God, out of his grace and mercy, God intervened into our life and showed us who he was. Amen. And so we praise God. We thank God that he has saved us. You were not saved because you were better. You were not saved because you're smarter. You were not saved because you were more empathetic or kinder. Or anything else from you, you were saved because before you were born, God set you apart and revealed his son to you. Our third sermon was the gospel justifies in chapter 2. Look at verse 16 in Galatians chapter 2. So flip over. Chapter 2, verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So Paul here continues to lay out his overall argument. God set us apart before we were born. He revealed his son to us. And now he, he continues to say, we are not justified before God on the basis of our works. We are justified by faith. And so this is something we need to consider in our relationship with God. Faith is not a work. Your faith is not something that you can hold on to and boast about as a work before God. And maybe, maybe you can say, or at least you can try and say, Jake, Jake, I believed. I believed I had faith when, when Christ was revealed to me. 
I believed and I had faith. And don't, don't we sometimes think that if those people were just like me, then they would be Christians too. They would have the same faith that I do. And we boast in the fact that we believed when others didn't. See, we, we tend to view it like this. Like that, 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 let's say two people come into church. Two people come into church. They, they, they both hear the worship. Um, they both hear the preaching of the word. They hear the scriptures read. They see the fellowship of the saints. And one believes in Christ and one doesn't. One puts their trust in Christ and one doesn't. So clearly that one person responded correctly to the gospel and the other didn't. That, 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 that person can, can be commended. They can be commended. They can be um, given accolades and, and say, you believed when you were shown Christ. And we tend to view faith as something that comes from us. Now the problem with this view is, like I said, faith is not a work. One reason is because here in Galatians chapter 2, faith is contrasted with works. Verse 16, we are justified by faith, not by works. These are two separate, distinct things. We cannot consider faith a work because we are justified by faith, not by works. Chapter 3 verse 12 says that the law is not of faith. And another reason why faith, uh, another reason why we, we are uh, not justified by works is that the, that the faith that we have is a, very, is a very gift of God. Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, so you're saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. See, the faith that you have is a gift from God. Or Philippians 1 2, or I'm sorry, 129, uh, it, it has been granted to you, so it's been given to you, it's been granted to you, Paul says, that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, so it's been granted to you that you should believe in him, but you should also suffer. And it is that faith, which is a gift, that justifies you before God. Even Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So Christ can be shown to you and shown to you and shown to you. But if you are not born again, which is the work of God, then you cannot see him with eyes of faith and you cannot trust him. So we cannot boast in the fact that we have faith where others don't. We cannot boast because Faith is the very gift of God. Our next sermon, the gospel comes by faith. So, so we might, uh, and this is out of Galatians 3, we, we, we might say, okay, I'll give you that point. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with Paul here. We're, we're justified. Our initial justification is by faith. It is a gift of God. We cannot boast in it. God came in and intervened and changed our hearts. But after I became a Christian... After I became a Christian, uh, I started doing good things. I started loving Jesus. I started praying more. I started reading my Bible. I started loving people more. I studied theology more and more and became more aware of God. I started serving in church. I started helping those in need. I, I, I became a table group leader or a Bible study leader. 
These are, these are things that I did. I, I really did these things. And you may say, I, I worked, and these are things that I did. Not every Christian does these things, but, but I did. So I should be exalted over other Christians. And people in our church should honor me. We boast in ourselves. Galatians 3.3. 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? See, our sanctification, our walking with Jesus for the rest of our life, is still by faith in the work of God in our life. We work and seek to honor God, but our honoring of God is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are being perfected by the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And so we can't boast and say, hey, look at me. Look at how awesome I am. I am such a good person. Instead, we say, look at what God is doing in my life. Two examples from Paul in 1 Corinthians of what this can look like, of, of what godly, godlike boasting can look, look like for our sanctification. The first comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse 10, Paul says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am, but his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. By the grace of God, you are what you are. Have you forsaken sin and grown in holiness? Have you matured in your faith? By the grace of God, you are what you are. Have you fought and won against temptation? By the grace of God, you are what you are. Any self-perceived importance or merit you have achieved in the Christian life is by the grace of God. And so we boast with Paul, by the grace of God, I am what I am. We work hard, but it is by the grace of God that is within me. Second example of, of godly boasting, also from 1 Corinthians, uh, is in chapter 3. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but it is only God who gives the growth. See, we, we do work in our lives. We serve those around us. We lead Bible studies. We work to wake up in the morning before our kids and read our Bibles. We work to raise our kids in the faith. We really do do those things. But any benefit we receive from them, any blessing of maturity and faith and goodness that comes from doing the works that God has set before us is because God gives the growth. Last week, Nick used the example of a tomato plant. We're not going to go into whether or not it's a fruit or a vegetable. Just don't put it in a fruit salad. Uh, but uh, we're going to uh, use the example of this, this tomato plant. That you plant the seeds, and then eventually the tomato plant grows. But if you plant the seed, you, you take the time. You take the time to dig the hole. You mix in fertilizer into the soil. 
you water it and days go by and you water it some more and it grows a little bit and you water it some more and then it gets big and so you trim it back and then it grows some more and more and finally you have a grown mature tomato plant. Now you were the one who watered it and you tended the tomato plant and it grew in a similar way your Bible reading, you doing the actions of Christians is tending to your own heart to grow in maturity and in faithfulness. But that's all we can do. Our work is empowered by the Holy Spirit, but it is God who gives the growth. We cannot give the growth. And so we boast in God's growth in our lives. Think back to who you once were. You are not that person anymore. Praise God, he has given growth. You, over the years, have been given a joy and a steadfastness in trials. Praise God, he has given growth. You have worked to memorize scripture, and so scripture now is constantly on your heart. Praise God, he has given growth. May we boast not in the work that we do, but boast in the growth that God has done in our lives. And by the way, uh, this, is a, this is a constant temptation for pastors. This is a constant temptation for pastors. We, we see our congregation thriving and growing, not just numerically, but spiritually. We see how generous you are, how committed you are to prayer and to community and to providing for each other. We see you come to faith and we baptize you. We see the God-glorifying work that you do in our communities and in our church. We hear the response that you have to the Word of God being preached. In addition, we hear of other churches that are declining. And we, are, we as pastors are constantly tempted to think, look at, look at how amazing we are. Look at how great we are. Clearly, we are doing something right would you pray for us in this? Pray for us in this because far be it from us that we would boast except in the cross of Christ. The reason we have you, the reason you are growing in your faith, the reason we are having baptisms and people coming to faith, the reason why pastoring you has been so sweet the reason why you are steadfast in trials is because God has given the growth. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Our next sermon was that we would boast in God because the gospel redeems. Chapter 3. See, in, in chapter 3, Paul makes this argument that not only could we not uphold the law like the Judaizers wanted us to, but by us failing to uphold the law, we were under a curse. Chapter 3, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the law by becoming a curse for us. See, it wasn't merely that we could attain salvation by doing the works of the law, but by failing to obtain salvation, by failing to uphold the law, we were under the condemnation from God. However, Christ was condemned for us. If you have put your faith in Christ, you have not paid the penalty uh, for your sin. It was laid all on Christ. 
We would be under the condemnation of God if it were not for the cross. But Jesus did it for us. And so we point people, we boast in Jesus, we point people to that which can actually save them. Not ourselves, we cannot save ourselves, but we point people to Jesus who can save them. Sermon number six, the gospel adopts. Chapter four. As we have seen before, the reason why we boast is we want people to like us. We want to be accepted. We want people to cheer for us. We want people to say to us, great job. We want to be considered worthy of people's loves. But here's the beauty of the gospel. Through the gospel of the cross of Christ, we are approved of by God. We are adopted and made sons and given all the blessings and approval of God. In our boasting, we want acceptance and we are trying to seek it from humans. But our greatest need is to be approved of by God. Our greatest fear in our hearts is for God to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And our greatest need is for God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. When we boast in ourselves, we are, we are attempting to get that acceptance from humans. But Timberline, you have that acceptance from God. We are children of God. We have a Father who loves us, and so we don't have to scramble for other people's acceptance. But we have everything we need in Christ alone. If you have... If you have put your faith in Christ, we are now free to boast in Christ freely because who cares what other people think of us? Christ loves us. We value the opinion of God more than the opinion of man. We boast in Christ alone because that's where we find our only hope in life and death. And our last sermon, the gospel liberates. Galatians chapter 5. Because of the gospel, we are now free to love one another with the love of Christ. We do not have to well up love within ourselves. We are free to share that love with others. We are filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you exemplify any of these traits, peace and patience and goodness and so on, these traits come from the very character of God. They are the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit that comes from you. We don't say, man, I'm being very gentle with my kids today. That is the fruit of Jake in my life. I have really grown in faithfulness in this season. That's the fruit of me. My kids are really kind and loving. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. They clearly got that from me. No, it's the fruit of the Spirit. We boast in the Spirit's evidence in our lives. We are, we are filled with the Spirit. Our cup overflows and flows out to those around us. And so boast in the fruit of the Spirit. So as we finish with the book of Galatians, I, wanna, I wanted to leave you with an exhortation. Timberline, Boast in 
Christ. Not in yourself. Turn your eyes to Jesus and away from yourself. Let us be a people who are constantly deflecting the glory away from ourselves and to our Savior. In us, in everything we do, let us say with John the Baptist, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. Look at what God is doing in our lives. Let us praise God for anything that is commendable in us because it comes from God and he has lavished upon us grace and mercy. Let us humble ourselves so that we may proclaim to our neighbor that which can actually save them. Not our amazingness, but Jesus Christ who has come in the world to save sinners. Let us boast in that which will actually win us the battle, Christ Jesus. And finally, let us, let us follow the command of the Lord from Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Let him boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Let's pray. God, you are good and you are, you are worthy of all of our praise. You are worthy of all of our worship because, Lord, you have made us, you have fashioned us, you have created us. And, Father, when we sinned and when we went astray, when we uh, sinned against you and rebelled against you, Lord, um, you sought to pursue us with mercy. And so, Lord, would you help us to boast in you? Lord, we are so uh, fickle, we are so tempted to boast in ourselves. Lord, but would we be so in love with the glory of God that we would boast in you and in your love for us? God, as we, as we take communion, Lord, would you um, help us to see the lengths that you went so that we can know you, that we can love you, that, you, that we can be saved from our sins. So, Lord, we, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to have the ushers come up um, for communion, dismiss you row by row. Um, and as, you, as you're waiting, as you're waiting either to be dismissed or as you've gone back to your seats, would you, would you take time? Would you take time to reflect and what you're boasting in, and would you reflect in the glory and beauty of Christ while you wait? And so the ushers are going to come up and dismiss you row by row, and then we'll take communion together.